The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are run around tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Is it really deserved to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2003's Old Boy, directed by Park Chan-wook, starring, and I'm going to mangle, tangle, and strangle these names, Choi Min Sik, Yu Ji Tae, Kang Yi Young. How'd I do? That was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Old Boy is a 2003 South Korean thriller film. It is based loosely on the Japanese manga of the same name. Old Boy is the second installment of the Vengeance trilogy, preceded by Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and followed by Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. How about a plot synopsis? On the day of his daughter's birthday, Ho Dai Su gets completely drunk and arrested. His best friend, No. Ju Huan releases him from the police station while calling him from a phone booth. Dai Su vanishes. Indeed, he has been abducted and imprisoned in a room for 15 years. One day, he is suddenly released, receives clothes, money, and a cellular, and meets the Japanese chef Mito, and they feel a great attraction for each other. However, Dai Su seeks for his captor and the reason of his long imprisonment while looking for revenge. Dai Su discloses deep secrets from the past. That's Claudio Classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's why it made, it made no sense. There's Ron this is great. Ho oh, Desu. <laughs> That's not his name. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> okay, tonight's movie was sponsored by Diara. She writes in and says, Hey there, I dropped $50 for Old Boy for a couple of reasons. One, Spike Lee is remaking it. And two, it can be an insane movie. And I want to see if it will drive you mad. Okay, Martin, Old Boy, what's your history with this? I thought that I didn't have a history with this. And then upon watching it, I was having like, having like Vietnam flashbacks of you showing me this movie, I think, when we were in college. College age, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I already saw this movie. I remember the very first time I ever heard of this movie, it was the Henry Rollins show where Henry Rollins was ranting on and on about how awesome this movie was. It wasn't until years later that I caught it on TV, like on the Sundance channel or the IFC channel or whatever. And I randomly watched it and I really, really enjoyed it. And this movie became one of those movies that I would go out of my way to show people. Be like, hey man, you got to check this out. This movie's awesome. And there was a night where it was me, Kevin, and three other of our friends we all watched it together and when the movie was over we gave it the full spectrum of reviews got a one a two a three a four and a five all in one night wow no other movie has come close to that that's never happened since I don't think so that's a rare feat right if you've never seen this movie before I highly recommend that you see it before you listen to this review this movie it's all about the mystery and it's a lot more impactful if you see it without knowing anything about it would you agree absolutely the reveals in this movie are really powerful if you don't know anything at all. Also, if you're like a high school age kid, this is the movie for you, right? This is the perfect high school boy movie. Yeah, this was made for the evergreen old boys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, now Martin and I did not watch the movie together. And Kevin is knee deep in paperwork, pushing pencils and bean counting. Uh, yeah, the uh, CIA has them pushing too many pencils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they cooked up a story and tossed it in a meat grinder. <laughs> Anyway, so Martin and I watched it separately from each other, and we both watched different versions of the movie. I watched this movie in the original Korean. And I watched the David Heater American dub. (laughs) 
<laughs> fan dub. The, the, fan, the, the fan dub where David Heater just, he plays every character in the yeah, movie. Yeah, he's Goku. He's everybody. <laughs> he plays Spike Spiegel and Goku. It was, it was great. Big O made an appearance. Oh, thank you. And it's going to be interesting to see what we think of the acting since you're not really judging the acting of this guy. You're judging the voice of uh, Solid Snake, really. No, I'm judging his acting also because I'm still picking up his body language. Okay. All right, Choi Min Sik. He is the main guy. The titular old boy. He's the old boy. I've never seen anyone that old. He was great, man. He, I'll say this. He was walking a fine line between over-the-top insanity <laughs> yeah. and intense, outrageous, Oedipal reactions to a lot of what was happening in the movie. And I kept asking myself, how would I react if this stuff was happening to me? I would either react the exact same way he is, or I'd have a mental breakdown and just go comatose. Ego death? Yeah, I would become one with everything. I'd have <laughs> complete keep, ego death. This up. <laughs> I would crucify my ego. I thought he was really good. This guy's good. I bought into this guy's plight. I was in. All in on this guy. And I believe him as a tough guy. Really? You don't? 15 years of imaginary training. Can it be put to good use? Can it be put to good use? <laughs> yeah, this is really good. And uh, I recommend seeing this in Korean. I don't know. What'd you think of the English dub? I didn't like it. It was, <laughs> no. it was terrible. The voice acting in this movie was abysmal, except for David Heater. But to be fair... Did it even match up with their lips? No, not even close. In fact, there were scenes where their mouths weren't moving, and David Heater was saying stuff. I'm like, what is happening right now? Mm. It's making me angry, but I couldn't be angry for too long, because it's Solid Snake. <laughs> he wrote Watchmen. I know he did. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of angry at him then, but still David Heater. Yeah, so this guy was awesome. I like this guy a lot. He's really cool. He wrote X-Men also, right? Yeah, he did. Next up, Yu Ji Tae. He's the villain of the piece. He was creepy, and I thought he did really, really well. He's a really imposing kind of guy. Like very tall. He's got this big smile on his face. I'm trying to figure out if he's like, they want him to be extremely creepy, right? Yeah, I got that sense. Like a weirdo. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was creepy and weird. I, I thought his acting was pretty good. I couldn't figure out his motives. Like, they didn't make sense to me. I guess we'll get into that. Yeah. And finally, Kang Yi Jung. She was Mita. the female protagonist. Yes. Pretty hot. Agreed. Yeah, she's, she's very attractive. Oh, and she's I, pretty young. She's only a year younger than I am. Oh, that's not young enough. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, her, her her acting was really good. I thought that she did a great job in this role. I don't know who they played her in the American dub, but in the Korean version, her voice is, she's kind of, it, it kind of comes and goes whether she's annoying or not. But for the most part, she, she's okay. Does she sound like Chun-Li? Is it like real high pitch? Yeah, exactly. Yes! Wow. <laughs> we should just play that over and over again. Okay, that's pretty much it. Everybody did a great job in this movie, and I actually mean it this time around, unlike every other movie. Good job, everybody. Yeah, yeah, actual actors acting. What a shock. I can't believe my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe my eyes hearing these voice actors act. Exactly. Okay, let's get into the brief history of Old Boy. The corridor fight scene took 17 takes in three days to perfect and was one continuous take. There was no editing of any any sort except for the knife that was stabbed in Ode Su's back, which was computer-generated imagery. Other computer-generated imagery in the film include the ants coming out of Ode Su's arm. According to the making of DVD, that wasn't real. The whole arm was CGI, and the ants crawling over Ode Su afterwards. The octopus being eaten alive was not computer-generated. Four were used during the making of this scene. Actor Choi Min Sik, a Buddhist, said a prayer for each one. <laughs> It should also be noted that the eating of live octopuses, 
it's a pie. I don't know. It's a delicacy in East Asia, although it is usually cut, not eaten whole. When asked in DVD commentary if he felt sorry for actor Choi Min-sik, director Park Chan-wook stated he felt more sorry for the octopus. The final scene's snowy landscape was filmed in New Zealand, <laughs> next to the Lord of the Rings set. <laughs> yeah. The ending is deliberately ambiguous, and the audience is left with several questions. In an interview included with European release of the film, director Park Chan-wook says that the ambiguous ending was deliberate and intended to generate discussion. It is completely up to each individual viewer to interpret what is unshown. The film has grossed a reported $14 million worldwide, and an American remake is planned for release in 2013, which will be directed by Spike Lee. That's great. That's going to be amazing. I can't wait. I can't believe it. Okay, old boy. This movie starts off with our hero. He's holding a man's necktie, saving him from falling to his death. This movie just tosses you in to a weird scene. And from that moment on, you're just like left scrambling, trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this movie. My experience is kind of tainted since I've seen this movie so many times. I know exactly what's going on and I can pick up on all the little nuances and stuff. But if this is my first time going through and we see this scene of the hero grabbing a man by the tie, just barely holding him from committing suicide, I'd be pretty surprised what's going on. It's an interesting way to start the movie because it's a really intense scene. It doesn't get, it, it doesn't let you build. It doesn't it doesn't create like a uh, a setting, a time and a place. It just throws you into an action scene, which is jarring. Yeah, so he's in the South Korean police department and uh, he's in trouble for being rude, crude party dude. He's super drunk and disorderly and obnoxious and yelling at everybody. And Martin, we knew a couple people like that in college. It is spring break though, right? They finally let him go. He makes his way to a phone booth. Colin Farrell's in there. He asks him to get out. Yeah, yeah, they have snipers trained on him. <laughs> his wife's on the phone. She's waiting for him to bring over a gift for his daughter. His daughter at this time is, what, four years old? Something like that. And he bought her these little angel wings. They're for my daughter. Daddy's blah, blah, little blah. angel. Yeah, exactly. And he's there with his buddy. His buddy goes into the phone booth. The camera rotates around and does a little pan and scan. And when the camera does its full rotation, it comes back. Where's our hero? Poof gone, vanished, like a fart in the wind. I hope he's okay. After that, it cuts to our guy. He's in like a prison. It's like a hotel room, though. It's not really a prison. Not in the generic sense where there's bars and it's made of cinder block and it's drab. This is decorated like a like a hotel room from like the 80s or 70s. Exactly. So he's a prisoner in this room. When we first see him there, he kind of alludes to the fact that he's been there for two, maybe three months, and he has no idea how much time has elapsed since he's been trapped there. And he's yelling and screaming at the guard to let him out. He's but getting gassed every night. Actually, it reminded me a lot of, yeah, it's that bad world headquarters. He says that if someone had told me that I was going to be in this place for 15 years, would it have made it more endurable or worse? Mm. That's a really good question. It's not even that if it's if somebody explained to me what those 15 years were going to entail. Because it, it entailed him losing his mind. Yeah, he goes crazy for 15 years trapped inside this hotel prison room. Well, he's insane for the rest of the movie. Like, he has a psychotic break and that's it. He's just, he's done. He hallucinates. Well, while he's in prison, he's watching TV because they allow him a TV. They give him that kindness, give him a TV to watch. And he sees that on the news, someone has framed him for the murder of his wife. So not only is his internal life destroyed, but if he ever gets out of this prison cell, he won't be able to resume his life because it's it. It's gone. The only thing he has left to live for now is 
his daughter would because you his wife that, is gone. Would you say that his life now, at this moment when he's trapped in there, is hell in a cell? I kept waiting for the Undertaker to come in and <laughs> toss him off the top. <laughs> he goes through these series of changes where he's going to watch TV and use it to train. I, th- th- this is something that I saw in a movie actually really recently called Limitless, where there was a fight <laughs> scene and he like draws on like TV memories to like fight. I don't know if you can create muscle memory from watching a TV show. I'm pretty sure you can't do that. But in this movie, all of his fighting prowess is based on that notion. Yeah, and man. It's made up. That's not, that can't happen. He just listened to his muscle memory. 46 and two ahead of him. Yeah, you're you're right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so. Yeah, no, that's a really good point though. That's that's a thing that comes up a couple of times in this movie. Like he's punching the wall, the, the solid concrete wall. It looks like you just break his knuckles. Yeah, and he's like blasting at it full bore with his hands. And it would be like you or I training ourselves to fight by watching the Matrix or something and just mirroring the moves over and over again. Yeah, pretty sure that can't work, but I don't know. I'm not an expert in TV fighting. Although I've done a lot after Toonami when I was in school. He writes this notebook and it's going to be his journal and it's also going to be like all the people that he harmed in his life. And he fills up like 10 notebooks. Yeah, man. He's lived a rough life. He's cleaning house, dude. Yeah, he was like, I thought I lived a normal life, but I've committed a lot of sins. This whole beginning sequence of him in prison, I think is excellent. Just right. excellently done of the whole, all the internal monologue of him with the narration of him forced to relive all the sins in his life and like what he does to pass the time 15 years in this little room. I think that that's probably a really natural process because he's trapped in this place with himself. And now it's the stages of grief, right? Because first he's angry. Right. Now he has to look desperate. He gets, you know, there's right now. And, and then after that, he has acceptance. And not only is he a fighting master, but he develops a really close relationship with his TV. His TV is kind of like his God. Clock, calendar, teacher, trainer, and lover. Lover. He's furiously beating his beef to the TV, to like some woman dancing on. Oh, is this the first where he asked that bad, a hardcore masturbation sequence? I think so, which is surprising. I thought that we would have had hundreds. But episode two, we'd have that already. All of this begs the question so far in this movie, who would go to such insane lengths yes, for this person? Yes, and yes. what could possibly prompt someone to do that? See, that's the danger with a story like this, right? The punishment is so extremely severe that the the reason can never live up to it. It's impossible. Right? Unless he was like a genocidal maniac, whatever he did isn't going to be worth this. Because whoever did this to him has stripped him of everything. He lost his life. He lost his friends, his family. His wife is murdered. Loses his daughter. And then he loses his freedom. His everything. freedom. Mind. His mind. And then, I mean, spiritually, he's just empty, right? Yeah, he's an empty shell by the end of this thing. So whatever this guy had to do really has to be either equivalent or more. So have you seen any of the other movies in the Vengeance trilogy? No, I haven't. There's three of them, right? I have all three of them. And I have never been able to finish Lady Vengeance. That one doesn't do anything for me. Is but that the first one? That's the third one. It's the third one. But the first one, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, that movie is really cool. I really like this idea of a, these. this is a trilogy of movies, but they're not a trilogy of the same story. It's a trilogy because of the theme. They the all deal the with- The idea is vengeance. They're all about revenge. That's pretty cool. He's like, I'm going to 
to make revenge movies back to back. Revenge literally never works. Yeah. Like ever. It just doesn't work. Which I think is what the point of these movies are, honestly. I think that's what we're trying to explore. Like at the end of the day. It, is everybody happier for it? No. No. Especially not in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. That movie deals with that theme too. Throughout the course of his imprisonment for every day for 15 years, he eats the exact same thing. It's these, like dumplings. These fried dumplings from some restaurant. And they have metal chopsticks. He should have like scurvy, right? From just eating it's chopsticks the same, all day? Yeah, he eats chopsticks. He eats metal chopsticks. No, <laughs> from eating the pot stickers or dumplings or whatever this is. How's he getting vitamin C? I can't imagine there's vitamin C in rice flour and... Ricin. There's ricin in rice flour. <laughs> exactly. He's slowly poisoning himself. <laughs> but yeah, but he, he gets uh, chopsticks in one day. There are three chopsticks instead of two. two. yeah. So he keeps one for himself and over the course of like nine years, <laughs> he uses it to dig through the wall. And I remember when I saw this the first time, I thought this was really, really cool because he's digging through the wall and we see on TV all the major events that are going through history. So you see like 9-11 and all these different things. Right. And when he finds die. Princess die gets killed. And then yeah. it's like goes through like another 10 years and then it's 9-11 and then it, I mean a lot of the events that were going on you could see were very significant to South Koreans but I had no idea who these people yeah, yeah, were. Yeah so and so elected. I'm like huh? I'm like, I'm like who the hell is this person? I have no reference point. Yeah yeah so when 9-11 comes up it's like oh yes oh, yes. yeah 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 that's I have a reference point there. <laughs> oh Yankee Doodle. Yeah yeah I'm, I'm just a Yankee Doodle. But then we get this kind of silliness here. This is the kind of crap that'll fly in a manga. I don't know how good it is in a movie though. This is based off a manga. All these are, aren't they? Or is just this one? I, get, I don't know what the other ones, but this one is. Right. This would fly in an anime. Yeah. A- absolutely. Shonen Jump? Absolutely. It needs to be in Shonen Jump. I need it. <laughs> I need it in Shonen Jump. But if in like a real movie, I'm kind of like, this is ridiculous. The Valium fart gas comes through the door. He falls asleep on his bed. And the next thing you know, there's a hypnotist in his room ringing a bell. You cluck like a chicken. Yeah. Bark like a dog. And the next thing we know, he's back on the roof. What do you think? Hypnotism. You love that stuff, right? Next thing you know, he's on the roof where we started this movie and he's holding this guy from committing suicide by his tie, pulls him back up, tells him his story about the stupid, whatever, the stupid BS that he went through in prison. And then he walks down to the elevator. I love this because he's- He gets in. This woman is disgusting. Disgusting looking. And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I never realized about this until like now seeing this movie, that this lady's wearing these weird glasses. That's where he gets them from. Yeah, he stole the glasses from her and he wears her these ladies' glasses like the whole movie. Yeah. I like how the guy falls to his death right behind him as he's walking away. Mr. Cool. Classic movie making stuff. Yeah, that is. That's typical. If he didn't fall in that car, I would have been angry. I'm like, what the guy committing suicide? You ever do it? Well, so far, so good. I mean, this movie has a pretty good mystery going on. You know, it's, it's one of history's mysteries. He makes his way onto the street and there's some street toughs that he runs into. Yeah, some hoodlums. This is when we finally find out if 15 years of imaginary training can be put the use. Apparently it can because yeah. he cripples these kids. This is essentially a very unfair fight, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a bunch of kindergartners versus Bruce Lee and he's not holding back. No, he's like killing them. <laughs> it was actually oh, it was kind of over the top. I'm like, these people are getting beaten to death. It was good though. Our hero's wandering the streets. He's hungry. He wants to get some sushi somewhere. So he goes to this restaurant called the Mediterranean. It has this very attractive sushi Chef I, I thought so too. Like when we first meet her, like her, she's got all this makeup on, and I was like, "Oh man!" I'm like, "Wow, she's looking good." Yeah. So she gives him a live octopus, and he goes to town on it. He just he just bites its head off. Yeah. This is not for the faint of 
apart. He literally takes a living octopus, puts it in his mouth, and rips it to shreds. He starts eating it. She's like, um, um, um. I love that while he's swallowing it, it's like struggling for its life and its tentacles are slapping against his face, going up his nose. He said om nom nom. Picking though, his right? boogers. Right? Om nom nom. Universal sign for chow down. What I don't understand is how, I guess like I'll never get it because I was raised in a very different culture, but I can't imagine myself eating a living thing as it's moving around and inside of my mouth and like moving around my throat. I, I'd have a difficult time eating it. I'd imagine people probably die doing this. Like the octopus gets like stuck. It chokes, yeah, it, it chokes, chokes it from them. the inside out, yeah. Why? Why would you do that? To prove you're a tough guy. You're not going to be very tough when you're dead. Well, he eats the octopus, he passes out, the super attractive sushi chef takes him home. Nice. And and he's like, you know, I, I've seen you before. You look very familiar to me. She's like, yeah, I feel like I've seen you too. Okay, so she has him in her apartment. She's reading his notebooks. Yeah, he doesn't like that. And she goes, all right, I, I got to take a hot steaming piss. <laughs> <laughs> the lock to the door is broken, all right? Don't get any ideas. Why did she tell him that? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get that. It's better not to say anything. He just assumed that it would be locked, right? Most people would. It's a bathroom. I, I got to take a hot, steaming, creamy dump, all right? You stay right here. <laughs> I'll be right back. She grabs a knife just in case. But anyway, she goes to the bathroom. She She's on the toilet for like five seconds. And then he bursts in. He wants to know if 15 years of imaginary training can be put to good use. Yet another rape sequence in a yes, that bad feature film. She bludgeons him with the handle of this giant butcher's knife. And it turns out it can't. Yeah, yeah. Another would-be rape. I mean, isn't that every person's greatest fear to be raped in the toilet? My greatest fear is being attacked by a murderer on the while, toilet while I'm dropping a, a deuce roux like at the mall or something I feel like some guy's gonna kick the door down like in Dumb and Dumber and just start <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe something your dreams will come true okay so she reads about his hallucinations and she gives us this really interesting insight about how lonely people have ant hallucinations and then we get this bizarre cutscene where there is a giant ant on the subway. Yeah, she's crying, looking at a giant CG ant. It's like, hi, waving at her. What? What does it mean? I don't get that. Is this a Korean thing? You know, it's really funny that you say that. I, I wrote that out of my notes. I was like, I wrote, and I quote, do I not understand this because I'm American and it's something that's part of their culture and I just don't know? I mean, possible. I, I mean, you're, I, you're just a Yankee doodle. I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that I, it, it really misses the mark or I have no reference for it so it just doesn't make any sense. Do you think people in other countries watch our movies and some of the silly crap that's in our movies they're just like I don't understand this at all. No dude because America's number one. USA! 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 Exactly. I don't know. It's like it's this whole globalization kind of deal like we get a lot of stuff culturally from other countries but I think the other way around is probably more prevalent don't you? Do you think like a lot of American culture makes its way into other countries? Oh yeah for sure. More so than the other way around? Well, I mean, we produce a lot of the content that people consume around the world, like movies come from here for the most part. They do, but that's not to say that other countries don't have their own cinema. Yeah, but they're not lining around the block to see the South Korean equivalent of the Avengers or whatever, right? I suppose not. Uh, the Avengers comes out, people all over the planet are going to go see it. Yeah, so in the way that I pick up certain things about Japanese culture from watching anime... Showing and Jump. Yeah, from yeah, from watching all the <laughs> animes that come out of Shonen Jump. And reading you, all the yao? I can't get enough. <laughs> 
Do you, do you do you think it's the other way around with like American movies? Well, I don't know if in Korea they understand our yao fiction. Doesn't make any sense to them. Yeah, they, they probably just don't. They just don't get it. <laughs> All right. So it's around this point where it, immediately after he tries to rape her on the toilet bowl, she says something to him that I thought was a little weird. This guy just tried to rape you. She's like, hey, I like you. And I want it. And I want you. And I want it bad. To have sex with me. But. Stick it in, bro. But don't. Don't do it right now. But keep trying. Yeah, and don't ever stop. Maybe I'll at one point I'll I'll be like, all right, slip it in, bro. But not now. But keep trying. Don't stop trying. Don't ever stop. She says that. Listen, when I finally decide that I'm gonna have sex with you, I'm gonna sing this song. You what? And, and then when you hear it, then you'll know it's the clue to stick it in. Brace yourself of going in dry. And she even goes, I might even resist, but don't stop. But if I do, then I want you to give it to me. And she does like a punching in the air motion. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I, at that point. I was like, I was like, you want him to fist you or just jam it in or beat you to death and then rape you? Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. I'm getting confused here. Is this this a Korean thing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. All right, so our hero decides that he needs to get revenge and he needs it bad. If he can find out where these dumplings came from, he can follow the delivery guy. Smart. That's actually really clever. He finally finds the one dumpling that they fed him for f- every day for 15 years. I love the shot of this a camera work here and as the camera pulls away it goes through the two chopsticks in his hand we see a close-up of the dumpling beautiful camera work this movie's directed really well yeah no there's this is a very interesting looking movie yeah there's a lot of interesting shots in this movie but from this director he makes his way all the way back to his captors and it doesn't go too well for these guys. This is so good. Th- these are the scenes that solidify this movie as like a really cool movie to watch, especially if you're like a guy in high school, right? If you saw this in high school, you'd eat this up. Oh, this is it, this is intense stuff. Some of the, the scenes in this movie are like Matrix level fight scenes. I'm not that high, but they're close. There's de- they're definitely more violent, that's for sure. Our hero finds the boss who's in charge of the place and things do not turn out well for this guy. There's a little interrogation scene. Not not really much interrogation going on. He just removes his teeth forcibly with the claw end of, of, a, of a peen hammer. There is an extreme close-up of this guy's teeth. The hammer goes right there on his tooth. Like, the sound design is like, oh! And he starts jiggling the hammer around. Like, blood starts shooting out of his tooth. It's like, damn, man. This is, this is harsh. How, how did that make you feel? Like, it almost made me physically cringe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, like, I was like, oh! because It's really good. Joel, you may not know this, but I've had my, my tooth knocked out. Oh, yeah? In real life, yeah. This one's fake. Oh, yeah. Surfing accident. Surf's up, bro. I'll tell you this. If you think that it doesn't hurt that much, you'd be wrong. It's painful. Well, he gets onto the hallway. There's there's about 20 guys waiting for him with lead pipes. 50. 50, I'd say, was yeah. that many people. So, this fight scene is shot in a very interesting style. It's shot like a video game. It's like a side-scrolling video game, like Double Dragon or something. The camera is completely parallel to the fighting. Everything is very flat. And it's just, the camera's just panning left and right in this hallway and it looks like a video game. So he, he walks from left to right and fights people. It was all one take. It feels like it. And I'm glad they did it like that because it made it so much more real. Can the, you imagine like choreographing that. this scene and you have to get it all in one take without cutting once to change? Like, oh my god, that has to that'd be almost impossible. But yeah, but the fight scene in this is great, right? It's really good. It's exciting. Him fighting 50 guys and beating them. 
It's one of the best fight scenes I think I've ever seen. Absolutely. He gets a knife in the back and he gets up and he keeps fighting. Even though he's got a knife on. And I love how exasperated everybody is in this fight. Like even the people he's fighting with, that they're exhausted <laughs> fighting with him. Very innovative fight scene. I don't think I've ever seen that before in a movie ever. Yeah. And I wonder if this will be in the remake. You think Spike's up to it? Uh, they'll probably do it, but they'll probably do some stupid... We stitched it together with CG and... Okay, so Mito and Odaisu, they finally do it, bro. Yeah, she's crying because of this harrowing experience she had with these goons. And as she's crying, she oh, sings her sex song. Okay, so they go to a hotel and they have sex together. Now, Martin, we've seen a wide array of sex scenes here at Yes, That Bad World headquarters. We even had one one time where a little ghost girl was watching. Yeah. Remember that one? Uh, I, I do. How, <laughs> how does this one compare? This is just like a porn. Straight up, right? This, this is like pornographic. It is almost like the Watchmen sex scene. Yeah, but this is more porno and less artistic. This is legitimate, like he's just putting her knees up behind her ears and just... Railing her. Just blasting her, dude. He's pile driving her. Yeah, good sex scene. <laughs> I was like, nice bro, give it to her. I wish I could have walked into the room and high-fived him and walked out of there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean it's interesting to see the difference between a Hollywood sex scene and a sex scene that comes out of different That's cinem- a really good point cinematic places like this is a Asian sex scene because I've seen other other movies from Asia and this this is typical very graphic very graphic in Europe kind of a similar thing Europe they'll have like full penetration right right but in America it's like this puritanical like they show side shots of their silhouette and outline it's not even really a sex scene is really it's what all it is. blue like in Top Gun yeah like what is, what is it? <laughs> it's really interesting I think what it is in, a, in America because there's like all these puritanical values around our culture, sex in movies is like really tame. It's, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but violence is like over the top. Yeah, I mean that's a well-known thing about our culture. It's like, you can kill a billion people in a movie, no one cares. But if you get a little too sexual, then people are up in arms. NC-17. Which is so weird, because sex is a thing that's really not that big a deal, but like, murdering people is should be something that people should be upset with. What do I know? You're just another Yankee yeah, I'm just another Yankee doodle. Well, during this a, sex scene... I'm a country bumpkin. That's true. During this sex scene, I thought it was pretty interesting where while he's like giving it to her, like he's plowing her. She's crying. She's, she's like, like, I feel like I'm dying. This hurts so much. This is excruciating. But I want you to know that I'm enduring it for you. Ugh. So weird, right? Is this her losing her virginity? That's what I assumed, yes. Because they, they, they never say it, but that's what it seems to be. Or else she wouldn't be like, oh, this hurts. Like, that wouldn't be an issue. I don't understand why he's going to town on her like this if she's losing her virginity. Like, she should have communicated that to him. He's been in prison for 15 years. You wouldn't do the same? I don't know. Well, anyway, we find out why the bad guy hates our hero so much. He started a rumor, and as far as I understand the definition of a rumor is concerned, it's usually baseless in fact. But this happened! Yes, uh, right before our hero was going to transfer out of the school. He followed the villain who's in the same class. The villain was running around with a camera. The villain is in a room with his sister. They're screwing around, taking pics, and then things take a turn. For the spicy. Oh yeah, Spice Channel. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, so he, he starts to slip her panties off. Why is she letting him do this? Yeah, okay, they're brother and sister, and we get a full blast incest scene in this movie. Why is she letting him do that? I don't get it. The girl, she's got to be 15, 16, whatever. She's sitting there. Perfect. Her brother pulls off her panties, opens her blouse. She's like, what are you doing? Sucking on her boobs. I'm like, nice. This movie does not pull punches. It just makes you watch this. Well, it turns out that Odaisu is looking through a little hole in the window Professional there. voyeur. He caught some hot action. Yeah. Trying to get some satisfaction. Man, if you were in high school and you walked in on that, you'd shout it from the rooftops. He mentioned one thing quietly in passing and then said, don't tell anyone. It, that was worth this? Everything that happened to him? That is insane. Once the rumor starts to spread, everyone believes it. And then the rumor evolves into not only does she have sex with her brother, but she's pregnant as well. And then she starts to believe it. Phantom pregnancy. Yes, she has a false pregnancy, which can happen. I don't think it's that common. I think it's very rare. And so because of this, she kills herself. I know that it happens to animals a lot more often than it happens to uh, people. I know, for experience. Oh, wow. What does that mean? Yeah, so she starts to swell up and look pregnant. And she's like, well, I only got one option left. I got to jump off a dam. Just like 007, Goldeneye. (laughs) She... <laughs> but she didn't have a bungee cord this yeah, she time. She didn't have around. a bungee cord, so she jumps off this stupid dam and kills herself. Yeah, this is worth imprisoning him for 15 years and torturing the hell out of him. I really would have thought that it was his fault for having sex with his sister, but I guess that's why I'm not a judge in our judicial system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's the big motive for the villain. Did you think that this was useful to like show how insane this other guy is? You know, that's a really good point because I don't think the punishment fits the crime. But it's so But ridiculous. then again, you're right. It's so extreme that only a lunatic would do this. That's a really good point. Like, after he does this to him, I'm like, wow, this guy really is a psychopath. He is out of his mind. Our hero confronts the villain in his penthouse. This guy is like a multi-millionaire. He lives on the top of a skyscraper. He lives in a trillionaire's club. Yes, he does. The villain tells our hero, hey, buddy, I got you another present. Check out that box over there. And he goes and he opens up the box. And inside of it is a cute little picture album. It chronicles his daughter from the time that she is four years old and it keeps he keeps flipping it over and she's getting older and older older and older and she's starting to old. look like someone very interesting someone that we know from the movie more and more and more until you get to present day it turns out it's Mito uh oh the build up here during this while he's flipping the pages really really good I've, I felt it I love it like as he's slowly flipping these pages like he's going crazier and crazier as he's flipping them you just took your daughter's virginity this is Oedipal right in reverse uh, Vengeance complete. And when he sees this, his he collapses, right? Like his psyche just collapses. I don't have any kids, so I can't even fathom. <laughs> this. I, I can't even fathom it. Guess what, bro? You just had sex with your daughter. And fooled you. She loved it. Gotcha. Yeah, she ate it up. She, she, she ate it up. She had a blast. <laughs> not only that, but he loves her romantically and it's reciprocated. So not only did he destroy the relationship he has with his daughter, he destroyed the relationship he has with this person that he is in love with. That's a double whammy. Yeah, this is all the big master plan to make him have a little incest, just like him. He had incest with his sister, and now he's forcing his arch rival to have incest with his daughter. It was important for them to fall in love with each other, though, so he orchestrated it so that that would happen by hypnotizing
traumatizing both of them and making them go through the series of events that would force them to fall in love with each other so that he would know what it feels like to love, I guess, a member of their family. Like, so weird. It's crazy. And our hero is just losing his mind. He's on the floor. He's barking like a Acting dog. Acting like a dog. Licking his boots. He's like, I'm sorry, I'll never speak again. And so he takes his uh, a sciz- pair of scissors, cuts his tongue off while our hero is like flopping around on the floor like a loser. The villain is just laughing and laughing and laughing. I, you can just sense his triumph. He did it. 15 years of work and he finally got it. And I love this scene where he drops down to his knees, goes up to our hero and he goes, now what do I have to live for? Now that I have this, what joy is left for me in this world? I love it. Once you complete your vengeance, now what? He has no purpose for existence Yeah, he's, his life for 15 years straight have has been, I'm going to get revenge on this guy. And I also really like the twist of this movie where it's, we're following the main character and we're thinking that we're going to see him get revenge on somebody. But in reality, it's, no, not going to happen at all. The villain wins in this movie. He does. Yeah, so this guy really does have nothing left to live for. So the villain shoots himself in the head. My job here is done. See you later, guys. And that's pretty much it. And Mito shows up. Yes. And she's it, like, she's like, hey, I love you. And they're going to live the rest of their lives together. Having sex. Just, just like that Peaches song. Wow. Thank you. I yeah. needed that. She knows how to, what to do with the pain. Yeah. She also knows what to shake. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. That's a uh, old boy. Story ends in perfect incest. Yeah, yeah. It's a storybook ending of incest and murder, revenge, whatever. That's what a movie needs. Whew, this movie was a gift. Gift from God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. An explosively exciting psychosexual revenge drama from Korean powerhouse Park Chan-wook that makes movies feel alive again. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Exults in its own audaciousness in its abandonment of convention and flaunting of unexpected intelligence. Tom Long, Detroit News. And finally, deserves to be seen because of its relentless energy and the acting by Choi Min-sik that strikes a genuinely tragic note amid the mayhem and cartoonish excess, and the director's clear conviction that this wild story will resonate. Walter Diego, San Francisco Chronicle. Okay, Martin, this movie currently has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that good? You know, 81% I think is pretty pretty accurate for this movie. The acting is great. The movie looks phenomenal. And when it comes down to story, it keeps me enraptured the entire time. Sure, it's cartoonish, but its source material is a comic book, and I keep that in mind. He does something that is really hard for a lot of directors to do in this country. Take a comic book and turn it into a feature-length film that engages its audience in a realistic way and translates it into something that can be acted by people. I think that in and of itself is like a triumph and that's so hard to do correctly here. I think the the story is really cool though. It does what I love the most as far as like movies and it's what I give movies the most credit for and that's asking me questions that I don't really know the answer to and it really makes me think. So is this movie 81%? I I actually would probably give it closer to like a 90%. I think it's great. Give this movie a solid five out of five. Whoa! Yeah. Can't believe my eyes. Yeah, we're talking. Exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. So Kevin has dropped his first five. You dropped your first five. <laughs> Guess I'm next. Yeah, bro. As for me, is it really that good? Yep. I think this movie is awesome. I've always liked it. I've loved it for years. This is a movie that I like to show people. I think this movie's great. Uh, even, yeah, it's over the top, but who cares? That's part of the fun, you know? The only thing I like about this movie kind of drags a bit towards the end of it. It's a little heavy towards the end. You know, it kind of goes on a little too long. But other than that, this movie's a hell of a ride. It's definitely worth watching. If you've never seen it before, you owe it to yourself to see this for sure. And if you like this movie, I recommend watching Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, the one that came before this. That movie's really cool as well. I'm going to give this a four out of five. Okay, Martin, let's read some listener mail. Okay, John writes in, wants to talk about Cannibal the Musical. Hey, yes, that batters. You guys talked about the disparity between the cost of Clerks and Cannibal the Musical, and I figured I'd chime in with my CU Boulder film school experience. While both films were shot on 16mm film, the major difference is Clerks was in black and white, while Cannibal was in color. The cost of black and white film is chicken feed, compared to the approximately $40 a minute for color. Not only that, if you're shooting a feature, it's not unusual to see a 9 by one editing ratio, meaning you have to shoot 9 minutes of footage for 1 minute of usable film put into the final cut. Furthermore, Clerks was shot in pretty much one location in New Jersey, while Cannibal was shot all over Colorado's Rocky Mountains with costumes and props. Food and lodging for a film crew can get very expensive very quickly. Martin actually did bring that up about the, the color feed. Did I, did I cut that out? I think you might have. You, you brought it up though during the conversation, I remember. Yeah, I did, because he's right. Black and white film is way cheaper than color film is. So that, I mean, like, I, I thought that that was probably the main difference in cost between the two. Next up, our old buddy Miles writes in. He says, hey guys, I finally got to shoot a Taurus judge a few days ago. <laughs> nice. It was even more ridiculous than I thought it would be with bird shot the pattern spread out to a width of 20 feet after less than seven feet of travel, making it slightly more effective than throwing a handful of sand in someone's face. I think I'll be sticking to my CZs for a defensive handgun. Anyway, this is a pretty good article on the case that Cannibal the Musical was based on. Looks like the real event was an even more convoluted mess in the trial than the movie portrayed. I first heard of the case from an old friend of mine who was told that the reason why Packer became a cannibal was because humans were much easier to hunt than things like deer and rabbits. Looks like we will never know exactly what happened in this incident. And he links to the Wikipedia article on Alfred Packer. I actually read this the day after we recorded it. And yeah, that was actually, it's pretty interesting what happened at that trial. They never figured out why he did it, did they? No, they never learned. He lived a long time after it happened. Like, he died in the 30s. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm glad he got to live through the Roaring Twenties. Taurus Judge? That's, uh, for a gun that's so absurd, you'd think it would be more effective than that. Kirby writes it and says, to the three most elusive men in the podcastosphere, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode on Jingle All the Way right up to the end, but your critique was way off base. Arnold delivers a performance of a lifetime, even overshadowing his roles in such movie classics as Mr. Freeze and Batman and Robin and Julius Benedict and Twins. But I'm willing to forgive you as I realize even Babe Ruth couldn't hit a home run every night. Anyway, that leads me to this question. What holiday movie is a staple at Yes That Bad World headquarters? Clearly the answer isn't Jingle All the Way. For me, every year we watch Elf and then we relive the memory of Nakatomi Plaza. We will never forget 1224 1988. Ho ho ho. Now I have a turbo man. Keep up the laughs. Hmm. What do you watch? Well, I know Kevin's not here, but he'll tell you that every year him and his wife watch Elf together. I watch A Christmas Story. Well, I watch A Christmas Story too, but that's like, we don't have a choice in the matter. It's on 24 hours a day. I know. In the literal sense. I don't watch TV though, so I go out of my way to watch that movie. Mm. I really like that movie. I had the desktop 
background at work changed that to, 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 to the leg lamp. Everybody liked it. I, I was real hit at the office. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about at the water cooler. Yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, did you see Martin's desktop background? Yeah. Vince writes in and says, Dear Huey, Dewey, and Louie, I work for a film news and reviews website, and my editor told me a story of the time he got to interview Rosamund Pike last year. Remember her? She is currently in Jack Reacher, but you and I know her better as the girl from Doom. Ah, okay. A little nervous of this life-changing opportunity, he decided to utilize some Dutch courage to calm his nerves. Slightly drunk and completely devoid of any meaningful questions for the lovely Miss Pike, he opened with this. So, Doom, what was that like? He received a frosty and slightly offended stare in return. Along with this reply, I don't talk about Doom. Read into that what you will. Oh, I'm going to read very heavily into that. P.S. More Star Fox references, please. ba 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 Alright, more importantly, I would have said, what was it like to touch Dwayne The Rock Johnson's arm? <laughs> That's actually a really good question. Did he give anybody on set the people's elbow? I hope. I hope so. Greg is writing in with a final update. Greg again, and I just wanted to give an update on my film quest, and by the time you read this, I will have watched 366 movies this year. My final film of the year was the Gary Marshall classic, New Year's Eve. Not really, but here's my link below to my review. P.S. I just wanted to say thank you so much for including my movie blog in your podcast and for all the suggestions. I will keep watching all the movies suggested by you and your fellow Yes That Bad listeners. Once again, thank you and keep up the great work and Happy New Year. So, our friend Greg here, he's watching a movie a day for an entire year. Which is pretty crazy. So you can read his exploits at one film a day for 366days.blogspot.com Dear Joe Martin and Kevin, long time listener here, just thought I'd let you know that I randomly had a dream about you guys a few days ago. In the dream, I was wandering around a labyrinthine recording studio building and I somehow knew you were recording in it. I decided to track you down to find out what you guys look like, but every time I opened the door to a studio, there would be some other podcaster or radio personality. Even if your raucous laughter was coming from inside. As I was waking up, I realized that the dream was taking place in California for some reason, but I know that you guys are in New Jersey. Obviously, my dream self needs to get better direction next time, so there you go. As you're listening to 80 episodes, y'all's voices will start to enter people's sleep. Anyway, thanks for all the laughs and catchphrases. Keep it up. I wish that we were recording out in California. That would... It is cold Help here. a lot, right? It is really, really cold. And this past week, every day was like in the 20s? It felt like a knife. Oh. An icy knife in my face every day. God, I hate New Jersey. Why do I still live here? I can't figure that out. I still live here. Robert writes in and says, I thought I'd guess about what you guys look like. Joel looks like a younger Daniel Craig. Martin looks like a smarter George W. Bush. And Kevin looks like Batman. Okay, see you guys later. That's the most inaccurate one that we've gotten so far. (laughs) You don't want to be George W. Bush? No. Kevin does not look like Batman. That's absurd. Uh, let me ask you this. This guy brings up an interesting point. I love the show and the fact that you guys give a second chance to movies that may be underrated by critics. So I'm asking for your help with a movie that I don't think is getting a fair shake with critics now that award season is upon us. Admittedly, I'm a huge fan of the franchise, but it bugs me that the Avengers isn't appearing on any best of 2012 lists or has any kind of award show buzz. I know it's a summer popcorn action flick, but it's a lot of fun, smart and well-made 
made. I've never heard a critic or fan say anything bad about it. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 92%. And previous Best Picture winner of The King's Speech is at 95%. I realize saying that a movie that made a literal billion dollars is unappreciated is a stretch, but come on, can't critics admit that movies can be fun? Help me out here. What do you think? From Kyle. I'm a big fan of Marvel and of DC, and uh, those movies are tailored for me. That being said, I don't think it it was the best of anything. I mean, it it was my favorite movie of the year, I think, when we get down to finally doing our best of the year lists. I think Avengers will probably be my number one favorite movie of the year, but Academy Award for best movie? I don't don't know about that. Yeah, I don't think so. Because artistically, what did it do? It was a fun thing. Novel? I mean, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Yeah, I had a great time in it, but like awards wise, like stuff like Argo, way better than the Avengers. Cloud Atlas? I can, here, here's how I can tell the difference. Cloud Atlas, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? People are going to talk about it. That's interesting. I'm still going to be talking about it 20 years from now. I don't know. Like, I think only like the the niche nerd population will know, will remember the the Avengers Avengers movie. We should either do a blog post or something or an After Dark episode where we talk about the best of the year. Right. I saw like a million movies this year. Same here. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to get in contact with us, leave us an email at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And once again, we're taking another trip back to South Korea. And you and our good friend, the old boy, is going to be in this one too. We're going to see I Saw the Devil. I'm looking forward to this. If it's anywhere near as good as old boy. We should have a good time, I hope. I hope so. Yeah, it's a nice palate cleanser. <laughs> okay, tune in next week when we'll be watching I Saw the Devil. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. You can follow the show on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at Yeah, It's Kev. And you can listen to the show and all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening. See you next time. Got his goon squad over there. And they've undressed her. Yeah, boob shot. I was like, thanks, bro. I needed it. (laughs) I needed a little comic relief. (laughs) Comic relief. (laughs)